Hi, this is episode 22 of K Ray Reads to You. Today we have part two of chapter six of Absolute Zero by Helen Gresswell. Why are you shouting, Henry? asked Grandma, entering at this juncture. She looked calmer and happier since she had taken to writing her thoughts on walls than she had ever done during her breathing period. Tell her, Laura. Mr. Bagthorpe threw himself into a chair and buried his head in his hands. The child is a true Bagthorpe, said Grandma, when she had heard the story. There is not another child on earth whose mind would have worked like that. Amen to that, said Mr. Bagthorpe grimly. And what about my script? I refuse to commit suicide, though I am tempted to. Eventually, Henry, his wife told him sensibly, your script will be returned to you with not known on the envelope. It may take a day or two or even longer, but it will be sent back. You must be patient. Sent back, will it? said Mr. Bagthorpe. The GPO maintain a resident clairvoyant, do they? What do you mean? I mean, he replied, that I am not in the habit of writing my name and address at the top of every script I write. I write the title, Laura, as is usual in such cases. Oh, no, of course. Mrs. Bagthorpe was temporarily floored. Never mind, she said, we can turn it into a game. Laura, said her husband, you are wandering. I am talking about the irreplaceable loss of a priceless piece of creative work, and you are talking about a game. We are at cross-purposes. We are talking about exactly the same thing, she said firmly. We shall all go to the study after tea, and we shall play Hunt the Script. Mr. Bagthorpe vetoed this instantly and emphatically. Nonetheless, in the privacy of his study, he was himself to play Hunt the Script during the next few days. This involved taking down almost every volume in the room. There were library steps in there, and Daisy had dodged from shelf to shelf. And first of all, retrieving all eighty of the cut-down pages. He had then collected nearly two hundred strips of paper, and, armed with sellotape, set about attaching them to their counterpart pages. None of this did he regard as a game. He found it tedious, tiring, and, at times, hopeless. Eventually, however, he fitted the jigsaw together and set about retyping the rough draft, this time in duplicate. So traumatic an effort did this, so traumatic an effect did this incident have upon Mr. Bagthorpe that for the rest of his life he compulsively typed everything in duplicate and kept all his duplicates in a locked chest. From time to time he would type, in duplicate, bills to Uncle Parker for all the extra paper involved, but these were never paid. All sane people, Uncle Parker declared, typed things in duplicate, and he maintained that Daisy had done Mr. Bagthorpe an invaluable service in bringing this point so strongly home to him. Before setting about playing Hunt the Script, Mr. Bagthorpe telephoned the travel agency to find out Uncle Parker's whereabouts in the Caribbean. He then sent an expensive cable to the effect that if Uncle Parker did not return on the appointed date, Daisy would be put on the next ship to the Caribbean in care of the stewardess. So far as I am concerned, he said, the lot of them can go round the world in circles forever like the Flying Dutchman or whoever it was. Grandma... The minute she found out what he had done, sent a cable, saying, Daisy is a true Bagthorpe and can stop here forever. She was crafty enough not to tell anyone about this. 
and neither she nor Mr. Bagthorpe knew that Mrs. Bagthorpe privately sent her own cable saying, Ignore storm in teacup. Later, during Daisy's stay, there was to be another spate of cables. The response to these first three was a semi-hysterical call from Aunt Celia on a very crackly line. She refused to speak to anyone but Daisy, and when Daisy got on the line, nobody could tell from her end of the conversation what was being said at the other end. The Bagthorpes gathered round unashamedly to listen, but gleaned nothing. Daisy was saying things like, I like Grandma Bag, and I helped Uncle Bag with his skips, and we had peas and custard for dinner again today. When she put the receiver down, she turned to the others and said, Mummy was crying, I think. I wish she was here, so as I could make her feel better. Mr. Bagthorpe said nothing, but his expression spoke volumes. Goodness alone knows, Grandma said, how Celia ever managed to produce such a jewel of a child. The others looked at her sharply. It began to appear that Daisy was in line to succeed Thomas in Grandma's affections. If so, it bode ill. The two of them went off together, and Rosie looked forlornly after them. The only time she ever had Daisy to herself was at night. When she went up, she would tuck Daisy in, unnecessarily, and look fondly down at her, and arrange teddy bears and rabbits about her. This was for Rosie's own gratification. Daisy, awake, would have no truck with soft toys. "'Never mind, dear,' said Mrs. Bagthorpe, seeing her daughter's downcast face. "'Go and practice your violin. Henry, what are you doing?' Huh? Mr. Bagthorpe was writing on the wall. "'These are my walls,' he said, "'and I am writing on them.' He was writing, "'Hell is other people and their children.' And that is the end of Chapter 6 of Absolute Zero. Come and visit me at my blog, www.kray.org, and say hi. See you next time.